Okay, Tom, let's move on to the Salasau. We've got a couple of big games coming up in the Nations League, travelling to Prague to take on Czech Republic and then back home to Braga, where they host España. Fernando Santos has named his team. Uh, goalkeeper, really no surprises there. Defence, also not a huge amount of surprises. So I guess we need to talk about Thiago Jalot. We've seen uh, Gonzalo Inacio caught up recently. We saw David Carmo caught up recently. And now it's Thiago Jalot's turn. I don't think he's going to get on the pitch, but I think what this shows is that Santos just wants to have a look at him. Just wants to see what's going on, see how his game is developing, and see how he fits in the group. What do you make of uh, What did you make of Jalot getting called up? I suppose it's a bit of a surprise, isn't it, that David Carmo isn't in this list? But I suppose when I think when it was announced, when the squad was announced, I don't think he'd played for Porto. He'd just played one game, perhaps, and so. I guess that's why uh, he's not in this list. Uh, it's interesting also, Matt, that when the squad announcement was made, they announced, they, they categorised them as obviously goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders and forwards. And Nilo Pereira, of course, PSG, uh, who's played so often in that double pivot with William Carvalho earlier in uh, Fernando Santos's reign, he was actually listed as a defender. And of course, we saw uh, in the earlier Nation League's games, it was Danilo and Pep, uh, the centre-back pairing. I guess that is definitely, be, I think, Fernando Santos's first-choice kind of replacement. If anything happens to Pep and Ruben Diaz, I fully expect Danilo to be drafted into centre-back. And so, yeah, I guess Thiago Jallo, uh, yeah, he's bringing him in. He's been in previous squads. He's getting a lot of playing time at Lille. I think he's doing quite well from by all accounts. And so, uh, and of course, he's got a little bit of adaptability, can also play as a fullback. Uh, and so, yeah, I suppose Fernando Santos wants a closer look at him. I have to say, if he wants a closer look at him, it's almost certainly going to be just in the training camp because, as we know, Santos doesn't really experiment that much, uh, certainly at centre-back in those four games. Uh, like I mentioned in June, people were very surprised that it was literally... Danilo and Pep, I think, for 90 minutes every game. So he didn't even give you know, the likes of David Carmel uh, a run out. So, uh, yeah, I suppose you have to say, looking at this, it looks like he's in good position to perhaps make the World Cup squad, Thiago Jallo. Yeah, I've got nothing to add. It, it, it's clear that uh, the top three choices in central defence for Santos is, is Diaz, Pep and Danilo. There's, there's no doubt about that. So, yeah, Jallo... What people, I think, don't realise when they start going ballistic about uh, some of the selections Santosh makes is that how many times does he go and watch Lille? Obviously, he watches as much video as he can, but he wants to see these guys up close, not only from a, a technical footballing point of view, but, as I said, a, a personality point of view, an adaptability point of view. And as you mentioned, he plays left-back, right-back, centre-back for Lille, so he's perfect guy to have on the bench if anything happens, to, you know, injury-wise in-game, so... No surprise really to see him call up. And as you say, Carmo hasn't really played and Inacio not looking super strong at the moment. So it kind of all makes sense. Midfield, Tom, we mentioned that we might have seen the last of João Moutinho and um, looks like that's the case. We see João Mario. We talked about the likelihood of him coming into the squad. Really a no-brainer. And uh, Vitinha re retains his spot. He's getting a lot of game time for PSG, playing along all those superstars there. And I guess the only other one out of the box, which isn't really out of the box at all, is William Carvalho, a guy Santos loves. He's got another spot. So what did you make of the midfield? 
Yeah, like you said, no real surprises. William, of course, he looked at one stage, didn't he, about a year ago or so. Can't exactly remember when he dropped out of the squad and it looked like perhaps his time was up, but he got drafted back in. He was actually really good in those Nations League games. So he's kind of played himself certainly back into uh, the squad, if not the team. So, yeah, no real surprises. Like you said, Joel Mario, it's interesting, isn't it, if we'd asked this question in the summer. I don't think anyone would have expected Mario to be in the running to get in the World Cup squad. But, you know, as you have to say, on the evidence we've seen at the start of the season, he fully deserves to be in that squad. So, uh, yeah, you know, lots of choice. Again, you look at that squad. It's just packed, isn't it, Matt? It's packed. I mean, people people have such a go at Fernando Santos or uh, I think any national team manager, you know, as if it's an easy job. How do you pick a midfield from Joao Polinho, Ruben Neves, Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes, Joao Mario, Matias Nunes, Vitinha, William Carvalho? You know, they are all absolutely top class players. A lot of them playing at the top of their game. You know, it's a tough job and uh, you can't really argue with any of those picks, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, without going over what we did in the last podcast, obviously Bruno Fernandes and Bernardo Silva will be in the starting side. So then how does he, what does he do? I mean, (laughs) he must be up all night, Fernando Santos, thinking about how he's going to do this. As I said, I'd like to see the Palninha Rubenevs combo. So, I don't know. We'll have to see what, it, what happens. But, um, yeah, good to see João Mario in. And just such a no-brainer to bring him in for so many reasons. As soon as anything happens with the Seller Sour, I read some stuff online on Twitter, and I just it's just ridiculous. I've got to get away from it. But the tribalism. You know, not, not only did you see it with those incidents we discussed, but you see it online when you say something about a manager and, you know, people get all defensive, like you're somehow attacking their club or attacking their manager. And they, they just take it personally, and they just go completely overboard. Um, and, and some of the bullshit people go on with about Santos's selections, like, he, oh, if he played for Benfica, oh, if he didn't play for... I mean, just, just pathetic stuff. You know, Santos is trying to pick the best team he can, trying to get as much versatility as he can. Joao Mario is just a no-brainer on so many levels. Forwards, Tom, uh, a guy we didn't really talk about that I did have on the list was uh, Pedro Neto. Of course, he had some... He, he came into the, the team, did pretty well, but then had that really bad injury out for a long time. But um, Santos, again, brought him in. And it might be for the same reasons we just discussed with Thiago Jalotam. He just wants to see how he's going, see him up close and personal. And uh, he's another, I guess, option off the bench. What do you make of that inclusion? Yeah, it's an interesting one, Neto, isn't it? Because like you said, he was really tearing it up in, in England before he got that really bad injury. It was a shame. I think he was in line to win young player of the season or something, scoring lots of goals for Wolves, you know. And... Uh, but then, yeah, terrible injury. And uh, it's quite surprising, I have to say, that he's being called back because by all accounts, you know, I haven't seen Wolves play, but I've read quite a lot of their reports and uh, follow people who follow them. And uh, they say he hasn't really got, he picked up, he hasn't really got this to the same level that he was prior to his injury. But yeah, he's got, you know, fantastic ability, fantastic potential. And so... I guess that's what Santos, uh, you know, remembers. Uh, we we have to remember, of course, before his injury, he had he not only got in the Portugal squad, he got in the team, and he was he was very productive. He's very good. I remember one game, I think, against Luxembourg. Uh, he, I think, he provided two assists for Diogo Jota to score or something. So he was really, you know, in the mix. Really, one of the key players almost of Portugal uh, before his injury. 
So, uh, so yeah, I guess uh, Fernando Santos remembers that and wants to see if he can, uh, you know, recapture that form. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Ricardo Horta, another guy that's kept his spot, he'll be another option off the bench. What I wanted to just touch on here, which I guess concerns all the forwards, is that you know Santos has basically gone with the, with the two strikers. He, of course, he did play a four-three-three type formation here and there. But I think another reason why he might have included Neto is because if he if he does want to go to a four-three-three, then Neto's the obvious guy to play on the right wing. And touching on uh, Rafael Leao again, I, I think a lot of people. Of course, with his sensational form for AC Milan, think that he should be an automatic starter for Portugal. Like he, obviously, he's not. One of the reasons for that is because he's really he's most effective out wide on the left side in a 4-3-3, and Santos is just hasn't really played that formation for quite a while. It's been Ronaldo and Jota up front. That's one of the reasons you know, if people are sort of wondering why Liao's not a starter. I mean, he was he was bad in in Geneva, like most of the rest of the team, but. Uh, Santos is bringing up players so he's got options with with his formation. And I guess we'll finish off with Rafa Silva, who's not even in the squad anymore, Tom. i got to admit, this previous story escaped me. I, I wasn't on my radar where he, uh, he got accused of having a complicated personality. This goes back to November when uh, he was, I guess, in and out of the squad, had some injury problems, and he's now basically announced his retirement. I guess I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Big surprise this, big news yesterday, because, you know, the way we've been talking about Benfica, of course, earlier in the podcast, and they've been absolutely flying. One of the reasons for that is Rafa Silva. He's been superb, possibly playing the best football of his career. Slightly different position, of course, slightly more central under Schmidt. And he was called up to the squad, so obviously his decision is really only just been made now you know he didn't inform Fernando Santos before the squad announcement and it is a surprise yeah he's it's curious Rafa Silva because he's you know we, we've all seen he's got so much ability but he's never really managed to make an impression for Portugal you know for the national side he's been in and out of the squad for a long long time now almost a, almost a decade really right after Portugal had lost that game against Serbia, their final World Cup qualifying group game, which meant they had to go to the playoffs. And if you ask me, Matt, I think there was a little bit of a witch hunt in the press and maybe they were looking for a scapegoat. And uh, Rafa Silva got accused of, uh, it was one of these stories where they said, uh, you know, uh, sources at the FPF have suggested. So, you know, it is no real actual quotes from actual people. So it's very difficult to know the exact veracity of it. But basically they were saying that Rafa Silva has disappointed people in the FPF because of his lack of effort and because of his, uh, like you just said there, that the phrase used was complicated personality. Uh, so uh, I have to say that couple of days after I think or soon afterwards Fernando Santos uh, was asked about this and in an interview in a televised interview and he just staunchly defended Rafa Silva said that's all lies you know it's you know it couldn't be further from the truth he's been my player since uh, since I've been Portugal coach of course he was in the Euro 2016 squad uh, and you know he's in the World Cup uh, squad uh, 2014 actually and he was also in 2020 Euro squad, of course, uh, and so uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a decision which Rafa Silva has made himself. Uh, you know, not quite sure the reasons he actually said himself that just for personal reasons didn't really go into it at any length. 
So, <clears throat> yeah, a bit of a surprise, a bit of a shame that Rafa, you know, we never saw the best of him for Portugal. But looking at the bigger picture, not really sure it makes too much of a difference to Portugal and their chances of, you know, having success in the World Cup. Of course, one attribute of Rafa Silva is his just incredible pace uh, and his ability to dribble at pace. So that's something which we'll miss. You know, perhaps he would have been a good player to bring on if Portugal were winning a game 1-0 and they just wanted to play on the break. But, uh, you know, that won't be the, the case now. But, you know, there's other players who can probably play that role. Perhaps you were just talking there, perhaps uh, Rafael Leal. You know, he could be brought on in that kind of situation. So, uh, so yeah, a, a big surprise. I'm sure we'll be. this will be talked about a lot. There'll probably be... You know, 101 theories about why it happened, about 99 of them probably false, but <laughs> yeah. we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, just, uh, I suppose, say a bit of a shame in terms of the player himself, but uh, I don't really think it makes too much difference to Portugal's chances at the World Cup. No, he was, yeah, obviously on the outside and um, wasn't going to play a huge role anyway. And maybe, well, he obviously knew that, but it still wouldn't be a reason why you would not you don't want to go to the World Cup and, and be part of this squad and, uh, you know, maybe come off the bench and be a hero in a game. You just never know. So it couldn't have really been for that reason, I don't think. Whether it was due to this previous stuff and these these insinuations that he, uh, he was generating discomfort behind the scenes or complicated personality or he wasn't fully committed. I mean, I mean, how these sort of stories originate is, is, is curious. As you said, there's no sources and, and how this stuff gets out and if and if it was true why would Santos call him up again it doesn't it doesn't really make sense he said it's for personal reasons and we just have to respect that I mean there could be a whole lot going on in Rafa Silva's life that no one apart from him and uh and, and those closest to around him know about so I think you just have to respect that and um and just leave it at that there's not really a whole lot more to discuss except I guess Santos has another spot now okay Tom that's been a wrap and uh, that's been fun. I'm going to go to the beach and uh, get back later on, chop this all up, get it out there. Nice chatting to you. I've got to uh, get ready for some uh, some more airports and some more travel. So that's all That's all good. And, um, mate, take it easy. Enjoy the uh, the break and the, these two Nations League games coming up. Yep, you too, Matt. Hope you uh, hopefully witness two more Portugal victories. Uh, that would be quite something, wouldn't it? Uh, but I suppose more important than anything, let's hope that at the end of these games, Portugal are in good shape for the World Cup. For sure. Well said. Take it easy, everybody. Borsa. Borsa.